I still do have a few strength goals that I really sort of want to tick off the list. So one is um, a thousand pound squat, and the other one is um, the Australian record for uh, for the heaviest ever ever yoke carry, which currently sits at six twenty, but I'd like to go a little bit heavier than uh, than that. You know, Thor's a guy who had a lot of momentum behind him. You know, and that momentum is is his income as well. And I think that's the one thing that people aren't taking into consideration, not just Thor, but any one of these athletes out there. You know, if they're not competing, they're not doing things, they're not creating a spectacle, people stop caring who they are. And that directly affects their income in terms of how much they can market themselves. Training focus is really about, you know, spending this year building work capacity, fixing up mobility issues, build back to those heavier weights. If I wanted to be completely honest, could I get back under those heavy loads right now? 100% no. Does it mean that I won't be able to? 100% no. Alrighty, everybody, welcome back. Uh, today, I've got a repeat guest. I've got Dan Macri uh, back with me. Now, obviously, on a Zoom call here because uh, can't be too close to each other at the moment. Um, but that's all right. Um, basically, a few months ago, Dan got in touch with me and uh, he wanted to uh, drop a few kilos and get into a bit better shape. Um, basically, when he made that decision himself, he was about 188 kilos. Now, keep in mind, people, Dan is incredibly strong. Um, he is the one that got me into strongman. So if you can't remember that, go back and watch the Strength Institute podcast with the pair of us um, because uh, we've known each other for a long time. And uh, anyhow, he decided he wanted to drop a bit of weight. Um, he was 188 kilos. When he came to see me, he was in the low 180s. And basically, we wrote up a bit of a nutrition plan and a bit of a training plan um, uh, for Dan to follow along with um, or to go hand in hand with the training plan that he was already doing. And, um, and now he's all the way down to 164-ish kilos. So I basically lost you know, around 20, 23, 24 kilos from your starting point, which is huge. Um, so well done, firstly. And, uh, and secondly, Dan, no worries, is, um, is future goals. Where, where to from here? Why don't you tell the people what the original goal goal was? Um, look, original goal still stands. Um, Idea is to get the body weight down to about one one fifty ish. Even though, once again, going back to the the last podcast a little bit, um, retired from competing in uh, in strongman competitions start of twenty eighteen, uh, just due to accumulation of injuries. But I still do have a few strength goals that I really sort of want to tick off the list. So. One is, um, is, is a thousand pound squat, and the other one is um, the Australian record for, uh, for, the, for the heaviest ever, ever yoke carry, which currently sits at 620, but I'd like to go a little bit heavier than, uh, than that. So they're kind of the first lot of goals, and then depending on how they go, we can move on from those. Regardless of those strength goals still being there, and often a lot of those goals are associated with, uh, with, with heavier body weight, and let's just talk purely training to, to start off with. Um, I really felt that the body weight that I got to and the body composition I was at was actually preventing us from doing the biggest thing I needed to do to actually get close to those goals, which was put in enough work and training time and recover from that efficiently enough to actually start progressing forwards. So talking from a purely performance standpoint, um, it's take one step for backwards to take two steps forward, I guess, is the, the best way of of looking at it and the biggest thing i've found performance wise more than anything else at the moment is my work capacity is way higher than what it has been probably in the last five six years <laughs> aside from that let's just talk you know longevity and, and long term here there's life outside of lifting i was meant to be getting married may this year 
Um, you were meant to be one of my <laughs> my groomsmen for that, and you That's right. still will be in the future. Um, but you know, there's, there's other stuff going on, and I just wanted to feel healthier, be healthier. You know, it, you get tired of you know feeling inflamed, feeling sore, feeling out of breath all the time, um, and just generally kind of feeling a lot shittier than what you really should. You know, for well, at the time I was just over just over 30 years old, so. You know, I wanted to get myself just being generally healthier and, and, and focus on that for a bit as well. And, you know, want to have kids one day, so I want to be able to run around and play with them rather than, uh, you know, getting out of breath after taking a couple of steps. Absolutely. Well, I mean, if you're 100% right to say that when you drop a lot of weight, your, your workload can really, or your capacity can really increase. Because when I dropped 20, 25 kilos after rugby, it was a noticeable difference. And I was only going from 120-ish down to, you know, 100-ish or 120 down to 90-something. So, so you're dropping from, you know, in the 180s, close to 190, um, goals to get down to 150. And then from there, who knows? So it's a, it's, it's a huge amount less stress for your body to, to be carrying around daily, just as a general health point. Um, but, but really, what I was interested in is how it's going to affect your performance as well. So we all know that it's going to be doing wonders for the health markers. The, the next thing is, is performance markers. And you yourself said sort of one step back to two steps forward. And it's something that I noticed that, that uh, when, when I would see you training is that the, the breaks between sets, now, albeit you're, you're lifting huge weights, you know, squats, you know, upwards of 400 kilos or, or you know, in recent time, I'm not sure exactly, but I've seen, seen squats of over 400 kilos from you. So, but really long, long breaks in between. And, and your session only would be consisting of a couple of sets or a handful of sets of very low reps, very heavy weight. And that's good to get the CNS firing and to, to really try to get that stimulus. But you do need to, to have volume um, of sorts to be able to build that muscle as well. Um, all right. So in terms of, the exact performance in terms of um, how much recovery has changed things up. I can give a, an actual direct measure, funnily enough. Um, so going back to 2017 was when I was, yeah, 2017, 2016 was when I was actually preparing to try and break that Australian um, yoke record. Um, part of what I had as part of the planning plan, training plan, because it's, the, the, the yoke record is just a short run. It's it's 10 feet to keep in line what they do with the heavy yokes at the at the US Arnold. So about three meters, three and a half meters roughly. Um, what I'd done to try and what I planned to do to try and build work capacity was have one session going heavy, working up to three heavy runs, one session staying lighter and working on on building a working capacity. Because realistically, I figured I'd have to get you know to get up to that weight, I'd have to be roughly. 10 or so runs. So I wanted to have a, you know, a, a good, a good base there to be able to have the capacity to get up to doing that. The first session I had planned for that was 10 runs of, of, of five meters at 340. When I first did that session a couple of years back, it took me a little over two hours to complete the session. I did literally the same session plus accessory work and everything else. Um, last Saturday and that yoke component, took me about 40 minutes wow so that's a huge difference so, yeah in all honesty could i have done it quicker probably it was one a choice to take it longer and two working with another training partner working in a different weight so had to you know adjust weights around there as well 
Yeah, fair enough. Well, I mean, that's fantastic. And, and like you're saying, if it takes 10 runs to get up to that record-breaking weight, um, you can't be gassed by run 7 or 8. You have to have the gas tank to be able to get to run 10 and then actually do it. 100%. Um, yeah, and it's like I said, it's, it, it feels so much easier than go on and do the accessory work, even just do things up to pack up around the gym. Um, with that particular session, obviously training at a home gym at the moment, um, the yoke that I have also doubles as a, as a squat rack and it finished on one side of the gym and all the plates and everything end up back on the other side of the gym. And I just decided it would be easy just to do an 11th run and carry it back over the other side of the gym as opposed to deload everything and take it back. So, you know, <laughs> that was a, also a nice gift to get that out as well. Nice one. Um, in, term, in terms of pure performance, I haven't really tested myself properly under a huge amount of load yet. The training focus is really about, you know, spending this year building work capacity, fixing up mobility issues, you know, working back, you know, strengthening up all the areas which I'm weaker in to build back to those heavier weights. If I wanted to be completely honest, could I get back under those heavy loads right now? You know, the, you know that 400-ish sort of mark? At the bottom end of the squat, 100% no. Does it mean that I won't be able to? 100% no. You know, I know I'll be able to get back to those and far beyond that because now I have the tools to train more for it. Um, the biggest thing that I have noticed is my, my waist measurements come down really significantly. So my starting waist measurement was about 160 centimeters. It's now down to about 144. So pretty significant drop there. If you're talking total surface area, it's roughly a 20% decrease in surface area. What happened with that greater amount of belly mass is that would, you know, when I get to the bottom of the squat, that would all bunch up and create kind of a big cushion that would rest on the top of my legs and help hold me more upright in the squat. So it's not that necessarily muscles in my back are weak. It's that they're not used to activating at those ranges. So when I'm under, you know, yokes of you know, 400 plus and standing upright with the top end of the squat, you know, doing work that's, that's top end, uh, you know, top end and dominant, no issues at all. But getting to that bottom quarter of the squat, those muscles just aren't used to, you know, to having to actually work 100% in those ranges. So it's a matter of stepping back, retraining everything and building back up, you know, to, to be able to get back under those weights again. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and that's important as well because there's not an immediate timeline. Um, you have a goal to get these records and you have a goal to bring your weight down and get more healthy. And then, and, but there's no, it doesn't have to be done in two weeks. It doesn't have to be done in two months. Um, and that's important because uh, a lot of people might not know that, strength athletes really um, mature in age and, and that it takes time to build strength. Um, all the best guys were a little older. Uh, it's not like you peak like a, like a, um, like a sprinter in their, in their early thirties or late twenties or something like that, you know, like rugby players or footy players. Um, it is a, it's a, it's a long game. <laughs> it takes time to build that muscle. Exactly. So it, it really will pay a huge amount of benefits to, to take a step back, sort out, injury sort out um uh, issues where you might have muscular imbalances and once that's all figured out then build everything back up and, and that's going to open a lot more doors for you i think in the long run that's that's exactly it that's the plan and and i think the biggest thing is with dropping this extra weight it's, it's been eye-opening to going all right here is a weakness that you had and long story short if i hadn't have identified that weakness 
that most likely could have been what could have been the the you know the undoing and actually trying to progress further on and you know achieve these goals. It's an interesting thing. I mean, the biggest thing I've noticed is through having to get these muscles to work harder, even with doing a yoke carry, I used to get, you know, some amount of, of lower back pain or discomfort, you know, not necessarily even during the session, but post-session. Now these muscles are learning to activate more. It's probably been the first time and, you know, probably since the first, my first year doing strongman, so we're talking close to 10 years here, but I'm doing, you know, multiple, I'm doing yoke carries without any pain whatsoever. You know, squats, I'm not actually getting any pain as in joint pain from, but I am getting, you know, some muscular discomfort from muscles having to work harder than uh, what they've liked to over the last, you know, four or five years. Yeah. But like I said, you, you, you see the, the opportunity in it, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to, to get better and to be better in the long run. Absolutely. And I guess that, that leads me to another question is that, is that have you changed your squatting technique? I mean, you've already identified that you physically are not having the same leverages and dimensions to be bracing off of like, you know, torso, the legs and everything like that. So have you had to change your technique or are you just now strengthening those muscles through a different range of motion, but the same technique? Um, technique is relatively similar, but obviously some alterations have been made. I used to squat with a fair bit of a wider stance. And part of that was, well, one, I could get away with it. And two, just having that larger belly and circumference area, I had to go wider in order to achieve any sort of depth. Now it actually feels better being in a little bit narrower. I, mean, I always have had a, a wider hip base and naturally go to a, you know, what would be considered a, a wide squat stance. It's sort of the just outside of uh, the shoulder width, but I have definitely brought it in pretty significantly from, from where it used to be. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and, but the yoke more or less the same. Yoke's pretty much the same. I mean, I guess I've just gotten crisper in the, in the, in, in, in a few, in the more recent years, just in terms of taking a bit of a, a few extra seconds to, to brace and tighten up my upper back a bit more, but the stance is pretty much the same. Um, it's just minor things. Like I used to, you know, be lazy and pick up heavier weights out a lot wider, but now I'm just making an effort to pick them up a bit narrower and that's just more efficiency than anything else. Fair enough. Now with the, um, with the yoke, you sort of, you laid out a couple of guidelines, like you want it to be done over 10 feet, 10 feet, 10 yards, 10 feet, 10 feet, 10 feet. Um, yep. uh, so yeah, about three and a half meters, uh, which is uh, in line with the Arnold classic or the Arnold us, um, you know, heavy, heavy yokes. But with, uh, with your uh, squat and with the yoke, when you do run it, are you, do you have to do it in competition? Are you wanting to get these seen by you know, officials within the sports, like in an actual powerlifting meet or a strongman competition? Or is it just a personal quest for you at this point where you just you don't, don't care if it's at the gym, in the backyard, or at a competition, you know you've done it and you can film it and you're happy with it? What, what's the standard for you? Uh, look, I, ideally competition, but once again, that comes down to the timing and everything else aligning. Um, look, yeah, look, let's, let's be honest. Competition is the goal. I mean, I've, I've always wanted to compete and that's the biggest thing that I miss doing. And even though it's a more limited capacity to what I ideally would be competing in, you know, that still is, is, is the ultimate goal. Like I said, if, you know, if, if I get, once I get these goals, you know, honest truth and it's the way all athletes are you then plan to to progress on to the next goal you know what's the next goal after a 455 squat well then you start going well what's the australian record you get the australian record and you know 
maybe get real brave and stupid and think, what's the world record? You know, <laughs> it's just a progression. You sort of look, what is the next I can do? What's the number I can achieve? But, you know, these, these are the, the 630 and the 455 or 1,000 pounds. They're numbers that I've had, you know, since I started strength sports. So let's get those done first and I can start planning for, for the future after that. But, the, but like everyone, you, you want it to be done in a comp, you know? The exact setting of that comp, I'm not super concerned about. Like it's, you know, it's not like it has to be a, a world level recognized comp or anything, but it just it needs to be in front of a judge. And, you know, and ideally I prefer it to be with, you know, somewhat of a crowd. You know, I, I like to make a, you know, strength sports are for the public. You know, they, they, they're good to go out to entertain people. It is, it's entertainment. So be it's a in front of a crowd. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, well, that's, that's interesting. I, I will happily be there and give the old backslap, row you up, get you ready to get you ready to go back in like the old uh, garage training days in 2010 and 11. <laughs> that's funny enough, man. That's what it feels like training again. Now I absolutely love it. Like I I've, I've missed training at home. That's it. So I mean, I'm assuming you, you have your home set up now that the coronavirus has shut, shut um, the gyms you normally train at. See, there you go. Perfect. A lot of people would be jealous <laughs> of your setup. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I've been a bit accused of uh, hoarding all the bumper plates in Perth already. So, uh, well, that's that's not that's not your problem. Uh, <laughs> is a question for you with the yoke. Uh, what sort of what sort of rules do they have? Um, I mean, for those that are listening that have limited knowledge on on strongman uh, competitions and, and, and strongman events, there's a, a heap of different ways that you can run an event. You can run an event that's time based only. You might say, hey, once you pick up the apparatus, you can't put it down. As soon as you put it down, the run's over. You might get, you know, three put downs. You might, let's say, if he then moves it, you know, one one foot and then another couple of feet and then a third time he puts it down, then it's over. So is there, what are the guidelines for your yoke? Um, look, it's, it's, it's always a, an, an open-ended book in terms of what they do. If we're following the exact guidelines that they do at the, at the U.S. Arnold, it's, I believe, 45, it's either 30 or 45 seconds I've got to complete the run and they've got unlimited drops. Um, ideally, for, uh, you know, for my own sake, I would rather just do it as one single run rather than having to pick it up several times because that is not uh, a fun weight to be picking up. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's unlimited drops and I think it's, it's either 30 or 45 seconds um, for the attempt at that weight. Obviously, if it's done under a, a, a record breakers kind of scenario, sometimes the rules are geared more towards giving the athlete the biggest benefit they possibly can. But ultimately, the attempt must still be made under those same sort of conditions as opposed to as part of a competition. Sure. Now, who's the current record holder? Is that is that um, uh, Biggie? It is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so it's a couple of old Oh, look, we were both meant to be having a shot at it back in, I believe it was, yeah, 2016. Either 16 or 17, I'm pretty certain it was 16. And um, I, uh, I tore my bicep my last training session before, uh, so 10 days out from the event. So that kind of oh. ruled me out, unfortunately. Um, but look, it happens. So Yeah, it happens. And it's a strength sport. And when you're playing with incredibly heavy weights, um, injuries, unfortunately, happen. So... I guess the important thing now is you're taking all the steps in the right direction to mitigate any potential future injuries or, you know, decrease that risk. 
that's that's the entire plan. Um, you know, by taking this this bit of time and, and stepping backwards, you know, you can then plan to move forwards. And like and like you sort of said, it's it's a long term plan. It's not you know two weeks time or you know two months time. It really is a, a long term plan. Um, all right. So if I if I'm happy with where the preparatory phase sort of finishes off um, after my wedding, it'll be sort of December 2021 that I'll look to um, to start preparing probably for the yoke first we'll look to do that around late november early december depending on where we have wa strongest man um, and woman that year and do it as a like an exhibition event to, to open that competition um and then the squad attempt would probably be middle of the following year um obviously they are complementary lifts but you i don't feel you can realistically prep for both of them efficiently at the same time especially when it comes to, to skill and technique work and especially the amount of load that needs to be dealt with in both i mean i think both of them work very well as hand in hand as supplementary exercises for each other but it's it's you know difficult to be maxing both out at the but same one, time 100 especially at those loads it's like yeah they, they do both work a lot of the similar muscle groups but but good luck training and peaking for yoke and a one RM squat in the same sort of week. It's not, it's not going to have to happen. Not but, at all. Uh, um, yeah. Right. Um, with your squat, you're saying ideally in competition as well. Um, are you thinking out of a mono? Are you going to walk it out? Like what, what is your spot going to look like? Um, look, it, 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 honestly, it would be with knee wraps and that most probably means with, um, with, with a monolift. Um, I mean, my best, no unofficial squat was the 410 with the camber bar, which was walked out with knee wraps. You know, just, that was just in the, in the power rack at, 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 at the gym. Um, so, I mean, I'm not necessarily unable to walk heavy loads out, but just wear and tear on my body and just knees have kind of taken a, a bit of a beating over the years. So if I don't have to, I'd, I'd rather not. And I guess the thing is, why disadvantage yourself more than you, than, than, than you need to? You know, if the rules of your competition state it has to be done one way, well, it has to be done that way. You know, having said that, all the squats I'm doing at the moment are walked out because uh, I don't really have a monolith sitting in my garage, unfortunately. Um, so maybe I'll change my mind and just decide, hey, I'm enjoying walking it out, so I will. The only, the only, only sort of a detachment from that is certain federations for whatever reason now in the rules don't allow you to walk a squat out which i can't figure out how that's an advantage being able to walk your squat out but anyway it'll it that'll also be a factor as well if i'm you know if if the timing lines up and the competition i want to do doesn't allow me to walk it out well then obviously i won't be walking it out fair enough well, Dan, I'm, I'm really excited to see how it continues to progress. I mean, you're down 20-some kilos. you got about 14, 15 more until you hit the first major goal, I mean, um, of 150. Um, and I'm excited to see how the training continues to progress. appreciate that, man. I mean, uh, look, it's, it's, it's been really, uh, like I said, really eye-opening. It's probably been the, the last, really the last sort of three, four weeks where I've really began to notice a lot of the differences that have, that have really happened. Um, it's funny enough, 170 kind of seems like, um, I guess the, the milestone where as soon as I started getting under 170, that's where I started noticing the, the biggest and most significant changes in, uh, in, in body shape and biggest and most significant changes in, in work capacity. Um, <laughs> Funnily enough, that first 18 kilos, my, the, my, my, my belt only took it in 
one notch, but I've taken it down three notches since getting under, um, sorry, another two, so total of three notches now, so another two notches since getting under, um, un, under 170. So it's been a lot more drastic and noticeable, the changes at, at, you know, since then. At that same point, when I got under 170, that's where I really sort of started to notice, hey, you know, certain things are having to work a lot harder than what they used to before. It kind of seemed that was was the, was the, was a tipping point right there. So I guess that gives us a bit more insight to, you know, if I do have to have to regain some weight at some point, you know, in order to, you know, make the say the squat attempt possible, well, maybe 170 is the marker that I need to get back to, and it's a matter of taking. You know, even if it's extra 24 months to slowly build back up to that 170 at a much better body composition, that's going to be the most optimal way to do it anyway. So Absolutely. information is key. Yeah, 100%, mate. That's a great way to look at it. Well, Dan, thanks so much for getting back on here and having a chat with me about it. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Happy to anytime. Thank you. Um, also, while I have you here, what is your thoughts and opinions on the world strongman, whatever it's called now, allowing Thor to go for the world record 501 kilograms at his own gym with no official <laughs> officials there or anything, just filming it. Uh, look, uh, I, this, this is my opinion. In general, no. I think records should be done at a competition with judges, with other competitors, even if it's a record breakers environment and you're the only person who's breaking that particular record, generally at a record breakers event, you've at least given other people the opportunity to break that record. If they choose not to meet the challenge, if, if, if they say, hey, we're gonna have a record breakers for the deadlift world record at Arnold's Brazil this year, it doesn't matter, the events are redundant, who cares? At some a public event this year, and anyone who wants to take up this challenge can. And Thor puts up his hand and says, I will. But then, you know, Jerry Pritchett says he will as well, just for an example, because I know he's another very capable deadlifter. But then he pulls out two weeks before. Well, the opportunity was there for everyone. So in general, I think it needs to be a, a, a more formal and open event. Having said that, though, we're in slightly different times right now and probably will be for at least the next, you know, sort of six to 12 months. So the ultimate way of looking at it is no other strongman competitions can happen right now so it still keeps an interest in the sport there it keeps people focused on you know these big milestone lifts and other things it keeps these athletes in the spotlight and the thing is these athletes their career is themselves and it's how much they can market themselves so by saying no one can attempt any lifts you're also kind of taking away what for a lot of them is their their primary source of income and, and way of promoting themselves i just think the rule is the rules i think just have to be consistent for everyone i mean i think um before eddie hall you know sort of you know beef sort of going on cops a bit more sort of spotlight but you've also got tom stoltman under pretty much identical situations going for the log world record in his gym and no one's kind of paid any attention mainly because zadronus isn't sitting there getting upset that someone's attempting his world record you know I think if you allow it for one person, you've got to allow everyone the same opportunity to do the same thing. Do it like a postal comp. Let everyone have the same opportunity. Do I generally think as soon as people can start getting back to international travel again, should we allow this? No. But as long as you know someone can prevent, present calibrated equipment to the same standard as what someone else has, you know, it can be verified, it can be checked, and you have an international referee there to verify it, 
in the time being, I kind of feel like it's okay because it kind of keeps, it keeps strength sports alive. It keeps any sport alive in a time where there's pretty much no sports happening at all. Right. Fair enough. Well, interesting take on it. This is good. I think it's, um, it's a tough one because you want to obviously maintain a high standard. And the last thing you want is, is a bunch of sort of maybe asterisk records from everywhere. But at the same time, you can't just say no one, no one's allowed to do anything. That's kind of it. And if it, you know, if it was, if it was a year where world's strongest man was happening as it was meant to, you know, next month and Thor goes, Hey, mind if I get Magnus around and I'll just, you know, do a deadlift wood record in, 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 in my, you know, in my gym. No, you can't do that with that situation. But the truth is the situation we're in now is, is it's unprecedented. It's, you know, it's, it's not normal circumstances. So I kind of feel some allowances have to be made even just a little bit, just to keep some interest in the sport. You know, it's not even, <laughs> you take a lot of these sports out of the limelight and people start forgetting, you know, a lot of these things work off momentum and, you know, Thor's a guy who had a lot of momentum behind him, you know, and that momentum is, is his income as well. And I think that's the one thing that people aren't taking into consideration, not just Thor, but any one of these athletes out there, you know, if they're not competing and they're not doing things, they're not creating a spectacle, people stop caring who they are. People stop caring who they are. They get less YouTube views. They get less Instagram, you know, likes, and that directly affects their income in terms of how much they can market themselves, you know, both currently and in the future. So if people have a way to create, you know, some interest and income for themselves right now, I'm kind of all for it. And it also keeps the sport alive. It keeps up interest in the sport. 100%. Perfect. Well, you heard it here first at the Strength Institute makeshift office. <laughs> awesome. Dan, thanks very much again, mate. And uh, I'll be chatting with you soon. Absolute pleasure, mate. I will do. I'll speak to you soon.